0: Hey, welcome to the Billy Hollowell podcast. I have a great show for you today. It's a fascinating interview with one of my favorite authors, Lee Strobel. If you know The Case for Christ, which was a film, it was actually a film that Pure Flix produced, and it was also a hit book. Uh, Years before it became a movie, it recounts Lee Strobel's journey from atheist journalist to outspoken Christian apologist. It's a fascinating story. And, you know, I sat down with Lee because he's got a new book out. The book is called The Case for Miracles. I am personally really, really interested in stories that seemingly don't have an explanation. Things that happen that we can't quite figure out why they happened from healings to all sorts of different scenarios. And Lee also was intrigued by these things. So he set out on a mission to investigate miracles. And I sat down and talked to him about that fascinating journey, which culminated in the book, The Case for Miracles. Take a moment and check it out and listen. Before you do, be sure to also go over to PureFlixInsider.com. Check out the fascinating content that we have on a daily basis over on the PureFlix blog. Here is Lee Strobel talking about the case for miracles. Hey, Lee, how's it going today?
1: Uh, terrific. How you doing, Billy?
0: I'm good. I'm good. It is always good to talk with you. And, you know, I've got to tell you, I am fascinated by this new book that you have, The Case for Miracles, mainly because I feel like we've been living in an increasingly secular culture, and you know this, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but, but I think this notion of miracles and God doing these amazing things in people's lives, it's become more and more foreign um, to the general culture, and so I love that you're tackling this, and with that in mind, well, no, I, th- I mean, listen, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be you, because you make, you always make a solid case um, and investigate these things. So let, let me ask you first, why did you feel like it was the right time uh, for a book like The Case for Miracles?
1: Well, you know, I, uh, as you know, was an atheist for much of my life, and it was really the miracle of the resurrection and the historical evidence for that that ended up bringing me to faith uh, many years ago. But my skepticism didn't go away. Um, you know, my background's journalism and law, so I tend to be based, uh, you know, sort of evidentially based and give me the facts, give me the evidence. And and I, I believe that Jesus uh, performed the miracles that are described in the Gospels. But I was really ambivalent about whether or not he's still doing miracles today. Mm-hmm. Um, a little skeptical about some of the stuff you see on television, the reports of charlatans who get exposed and so forth. Um, and you just wonder, is, how, how legitimate are these miracle claims in the 21st century? And so that's kind of what prompted me to investigate this issue. And, um, um, I, you know, I was, I was really taken aback um, by three things. Number one, how common miracles turn out to be. Uh, number two, um, how well documented many of those are. Um, uh, and and that, that really has surprised me. Um, and, and number three, the, um, um, uh, this, the, the sense of the public um, uh, being accepting of miracles beyond what I thought they would be. In other words, you're right. We live in a skeptical culture. We live in a culture where people are, are um, maybe less spiritually inclined, at least in terms of historic Christianity. Um, and yet uh, only 15%, according to the polling that I did, um, I believe that miracles cannot happen today. Wow. So that, that's a pretty small percentage who are saying no, they cannot happen today. And 67% said they can, and the rest is kind of up in the air. But. Um, I was a little surprised that um, people are a little more accepting of miracles than I thought they would be
0: and you you commissioned a survey through Barna and I'm a huge data right. nerd when it comes to Barna and Lifeway I love the work that those two agencies do in terms of yeah. you know just really scientifically looking at and I think as a journalist you know for you and I know for me it's important that the data is done the right way and Barna does a great. Right. Job. Now, one of the things I loved, and and just looking over, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this all sort of translated out to, if you were to take this data and, and make it representative of the country, about 95 million people believing that God has performed a miracle in their life in this country, which... Is crazy. I mean, that's one third of the country, practically.
1: Thirty-eight percent of American adults. But here's the thing. You know, you're exactly right. Uh, if you extrapolate the figures, it's ninety-four million seven hundred and some odd thousand miracles. But let's say, and you know, I'll pick a number arbitrarily. Let's say ninety-nine percent of them are mistaken. Let's say ninety-nine percent say. Uh, I, I say they're miracles, but really they're just extraordinary coincidences. Well, that still leaves a million miracles, almost.
0: right? Exactly. So, you
1: know, it, it's they're more common, I think, than than people uh, tend to suppose.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's fascinating too because there's a sense for Christians. Um, in this in this world that God obviously operates in our lives and we can kind of look back and for you especially in talking about your story you look back on that tapestry of how God brought you where you are now and I always am intrigued and fascinated in my own life to see that and those are sort of mini miracles many times a lot of mini miracles that kind of bring us <laughs> where we are and then, and then this broader idea of healings and you know it's interesting and I don't know how much you looked at this but when you look overseas in the Middle East and you hear the stories of how God reaches people and then you think about life in America where we live in even though you know we talk a lot about the post Christian culture and all that and and a lot of that is happening we still have so much God around us and so much Christianity around us we don't necessarily have those same miracle touch points it seems maybe that other people are having in other countries where there's less of that cultural Christianity.
1: I, I think you're right. I think there is a phenomenon where the uh, we see clusters of miracles. I don't think they're evenly distributed around planet Earth. Uh, I think they tend to cluster often in areas where the gospel is just breaking in. Uh, Mozambique, for instance, Ethiopia, China, uh, mm-hmm. certain places in South America. You see these, these outbreaks of the miraculous. And um, in my book, I talk about how uh, researchers uh, from uh, Indiana University, um, led by a PhD from Harvard, uh, went to Mozambique to investigate this spate of miracles, and and they tested this scientifically. They they would go into a village, ask for the blind and deaf, or people who are severely handicapped in terms of their sight and vision and uh, hearing, and they would uh, test them scientifically to determine what is their current state of vision and hearing. They were immediately then prayed for by Christians who have a track record of God using them this way. Um, Hands are laid on them. They're prayed for in the name of Jesus. And then immediately thereafter, they're measured once more scientifically to determine what their uh, sight and vision is. What do they find? They they found that virtually everyone uh, improved to some degree or the other. In fact, some astoundingly so, like Martine who, but when they came into the village, could not hear the equivalent of a jackhammer next to her ear. Uh, and after prayers in the name of Jesus, she could hear a normal conversation. Wow. Um, now, they replicated this study in Brazil because they were so amazed by the results, and we got the same results in Brazil. And, and this was published, this is a scientifically valid study published in a peer-reviewed scientific medical secular journal. Um, uh, so this is, a, this is a legitimate scientific study. Um, you know, and, and I talked to the woman with the Ph.D. from Harvard who was leading the study, and I, I said, what do you make of this? She said, well, something's going on. <laughs> she, said, this isn't, she said, this isn't emotionalism. This isn't trickery. This isn't fraud. This isn't uh, some televangelist trying to get widows to send in their money. Something is going on. And, uh, you know, her position in a secular university, I think, prevented her from taking the logical step, which is to say something supernatural is happening.
0: Now, you know, you're always going to get the skeptics, and you know this well, you were once skeptic, who will, and I think, again, we're all skeptic of things. We look for questions, even Christians looking to reaffirm. I have things all the time I look for in the Bible, I'm like, okay, well, why does that say that? What does it mean? But when you talk to yeah. atheists, a lot of them will say, well, why aren't miracles happening for everybody then? And if it's a thing that happens here, why not there? So take me right. through your approach, because I know you included skeptics in in putting this book together. Take me through your approach in writing it and why you made the decision to also talk with those who might not believe.
1: Yeah, I started out um, going to the number one skeptic in America, Dr. Michael Shermer, founder and editor of Skeptic Magazine. And I sat down with him and I challenged him. I said, Dr. Shermer, give me your best shot. Give me your best evidence against miracles. And I give him three chapters at the beginning of the book to make his case against the miraculous. I think it's a weak case, but I think it's a case we should consider and look at. And, uh, and then the rest of the book responds to that and then uh, I think presents the affirmative case and really answers his objections and presents a, a, a positive case for miracles taking place today. Um, so I wanted to include that because I don't think we as Christians need to be afraid of the viewpoint of others who have different viewpoints. And, and um, you know, what you see when you allow them to present their case is it doesn't stand up very well. Um, that there are good answers to the kind of objections that are commonly raised.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one of the crises of you know faith in America, and not just in America, abroad as well, is that when people do ask us the questions, we don't always know the answer, and we're afraid of that. And yeah. it just—it seems like that's why I like to ask questions, kind of like you do, and I and I like to go and look. Okay, well, what this verse is is confusing to me. So, what does it mean? What's the history? What's actually going on here? And I think. You know, when it when it comes to all of these these things, being able to do what you do, and I think break it down from a journalistic perspective is so beneficial. Uh, now, was there any story for you? And I'm sure you obviously poured over a lot of different data and information and yeah. that, you know, I, obviously all of its compelling. But was there maybe one thing that you saw or read about that struck you the most in terms of evidence for miracles?
1: I recount uh, a lot of uh, specific cases with uh, evidence concerning uh, healings and other kinds of miracles that have taken place but the one that blew my mind and actually blew the mind of the doctors involved two doctors have written uh, about it in books because they were so blown away by it uh, is the case of barbara snyder uh, barbara snyder was diagnosed at the mayo clinic with um, multiple sclerosis uh, she deteriorated over a period of many years um, in several operations many hospitalizations uh, it got to the point where she was dying, and uh, in fact, one doctor described her as being one of the most hopelessly ill patients he'd ever encountered. Uh, she was in hospice at home. There was a no resuscitation order, so the next wow. time she um, you know, contracted pneumonia or whatever, they would just let her die because it was just inevitable. So here she is. She's, in, she's curled up like a pretzel in her bed at home in hospice. Her, her fingers are curled to the point where they touch her wrists. Her, her feet are permanently extended. Uh, she's curled up. She's got a tube in her throat so she can breathe. Uh, she's got a tube in her stomach so she can um, eat. Uh, one lung is, is um, um, deflated. The other is only 50%. Um, she's lost control of her urination and bowels. She's uh, atrophied her her legs have atrophied. She hadn't walked in seven years, <clears throat> so her muscles are all atrophied, and she was virtually blind. She could just see uh, shadows, uh, gray shadows. So one day, um, one of her friends called WMBI, which is uh, the radio station in Chicago run by the Moody Bible Institute, and said, "Pray for Barbara. She's on her deathbed." <coughs> Excuse me. So. We know that at least 450 christians began praying for her because they wrote letters saying we're praying for you so on pentecost sunday um she's in her room with two of her friends who are reading her some of the letters from people who are saying i'm praying for you and kind of encouragement and she hears the voice of god and the voice this male voice coming from the corner of the room where nobody was said Um, uh, get up my child and walk wow so she basically pulls the tube out of her throat uh, says go find my parents jumps out of bed and i interviewed her at length uh, uh, and and she said you know lee when i my feet hit the floor the first thing i noticed was my feet are flat on the floor they hadn't been flat in years and then i looked at my hands and my hands had uncurled and they were normal again and then i realized i'm seeing my eyesight is bad
0: oh my gosh i mean
1: she was instantaneously healed her lungs reinflated, her eyesight returned her mother comes running in, falls to her knees, grabs her legs, and says, Barbara, you, you've, you've got calves again. Her muscle tone immediately returned, because her legs had atrophied, uh, hadn't walked in seven years. Um, that night, she goes to her church, which is a Wesleyan church in Wheaton, Illinois, and the pastors, they were doing a service, and the pastor said, anybody have any announcements? And she comes walking down the aisle, and people freaked out, because <laughs> Barbara is dying in a wheelchair and so forth and they began singing amazing grace that once was blind and now I see Wow and, uh, so the next day she goes to a doctor and her doctor says later she came walking down the corridor and my first thought was oh she died and this is a ghost um, he said this is medically impossible um, she, she was completely totally um, healed in a moment the, the symptoms gone uh, you know, this was not some sort of spontaneous remission, which happens over a period of time sure. and the illness comes back. This was an instantaneous healing of all of her symptoms uh, and all and all of her illness to the point where, you know, 31 years later, she's completely healthy to this
0: day. Wow. Um, well, the muscles alone, the muscles alone. That yeah. when you haven't walked for seven years, you cannot just stand up yeah. naturally without. Yeah, that that alone is just unbelievable.
1: Was the most and it's the most well-documented miracle as i say two doctors have written about it in books and both call it a, a miracle of god inexplicable naturalistically um she's um now married to a pastor and um they they have a little um, wesleyan church there in fredericksburg virginia um but so i interviewed her at length we have medical records going back decades there is no alternative medical explanation for this this is you know the, the most wonderful miracle I encountered, because I, I got to know Barbara, and she is so delightful and so in awe to this day of what happened to her. When she recounts it, her eyes just light up, and
0: her Man. voice
1: just takes on this sense of wonder, and she just can't believe it.
0: Well, and how do you explain, I mean, there are so many stories like this that cannot yeah. be explained away, and even if the argument, which I, in, in interacting with atheists on this all the time here as well, you know, you have, you have spontaneous events that happen, and they're unexplainable, well, then that's a miracle, right? So, like, to me, even the dismissal of it is the description of what a miracle would be, but <laughs> Man, I mean, it's just that I had chills as you were describing that because I've interviewed people with similar stories in the past. And I mean, you go, you talk to the doctors you and you go through the whole process. And at the end, you say to yourself, wow, I mean, what more evidence do you need? Uh, and yeah, so it's you wild. You really
1: need to stretch to come up with some alternative explanation that that just does not have the same kind of uh, uh, explanatory power as to say that God uh, did this now. You know, I spend two chapters in my book with an interview with a Ph.D. from UCLA in physics who is a professor at a, secular, a major secular university in physics. He, he uh, crashes uh, protons together at the Super Collider in Switzerland. And uh, he spends two chapters pointing toward the evidence from science, from cosmology and physics, for a creator of the universe. And so if that is true, and Genesis 1-1 is correct when it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, then miracles would be child's play. It would be easy for, I mean, my goodness, if you (laughs) cause a universe to spring into existence, then a virgin birth or walking on water or healing Barbara Snyder is like just a snap of the fingers. I think where a lot of skeptics make the mistake, and this mistake was made by David Hume in the 1700s, a famous skeptic who is known as the one who supposedly disproved miracles, which he didn't. Um, But uh, he defined miracles as being a violation of the laws of nature, Mm -hmm. and it's not. You know, if I have an apple and I drop it, the law of gravity says it's going to hit the floor. But if I have an apple and drop it, and you reach in and grab it before it hits the floor, you're not violating the law of gravity. You're just intervening. And certainly if God created the universe, he can intervene as he desires. To uh, It's not overturning the laws that he himself created.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's so funny because I know I've told you that I've been taking classes over the last few years and I'm taking Christian philosophy right now at Southeastern okay. Baptist because I wanted I just because I want to learn the. And, yeah. and it's funny, we just were studying David Hume and, and that what you just said was my exact thought as we were going through it. I thought, man, you know, you talk about deism and all these other ideas that just don't hold up and don't make sense. Right. So let me let me ask you this. What is yeah, your. Hey,
1: let me mention one other thing. <laughs> you talk about David Hume. You know, in my interview with Michael Shermer, he sort of throws up Hume's arguments as being the death knell of miracles, the, the knockdown <laughs>
0: argument, as he calls it.
1: And yet, it's interesting that uh, Oxford University <laughs> has just published a major book written by a non Christian philosopher. And the title of that book says it all. The title of the book is Hume's Abject
0: Failure. <laughs> Well, I love that and it let me ask you this you've written obviously the case for Christ sold millions of copies you've written many other books um, case for faith what is your hope for the impact of the case for miracles on readers
1: well twofold. Um, first of all I hope that it uh, is an encouragement to the faith of Christians I hope it deepens our faith I hope it makes them more aware of and open to the work of the Holy Spirit in the world and um, it's interesting. Sheila Walsh, who's you know, a well-known Christian singer and speaker and so forth, uh, she said, if your faith was renewed and strengthened by the case for Christ, you will fall on your knees in worship as you read The Case for Miracles. And, and that's my hope, that people read the book and, and they hear stories like Barbara, and they just they are in ever greater awe of God and who he is and what he does. And, and this is a book that can be given to non believers. Um, because it, it, first of all, it treats very respectfully the claims of uh, Michael Shermer and the atheist um, and, and includes those and deals with those. So it tells both sides. And, um, you know, I deal with evidence, I deal with scientific studies, I deal with um, well documented events and so forth. So I think, it, uh, I think it's a credible book for uh, skeptics to consider. So I, I wanted to be one that people could give away uh, to someone who may be struggling spiritually or full of spiritual confusion.
0: Well, I love that. And you've also moved into, in the last couple of years here, telling stories uh, through film. Your your book, The Case for Christ, which you know, was an amazing book, ended up becoming a film, a really well-done film, powerful film. And um, that movie has made a real impact on a lot of people's lives, just like the book did. And what I loved about it is getting to see, for those who haven't seen it, getting to see your story play out, you and your wife, and, and what it what it took for you to become a Christian and how you got there. Um, what has been the most rewarding thing for you in just watching that movie resonate?
1: Oh, man. You know, um, as embarrassing as the film is in a lot of ways, because it shows the true story of my debauchery and drunkenness and and narcissism before I came to Christ. And it's embarrassing for the world to see, but it's true. Um, But to see the transformation and and to see the the difference God's made in our lives and our marriage, um, you know, so as uncomfortable as that was, uh, the benefits have far outweighed it. Um, For instance, in, in Australia, a church rented a movie theater and showed it, and 22 people came to faith right there in the theater um and we're getting reports like that all over the world uh, not just in the united states where it's on netflix and a lot of people are now seeing it for the first time but um south korea south africa nigeria mexico it just opened in spain and and uh, france uh poland had a huge response to it um uh, Papua new guinea where there's only three movie screens one of them was the case for christ uh, so we're getting reports from around the world about how God's using it to open people's eyes to the truth of Christianity, the reality of the resurrection, and what that means for us and our ability to receive Christ as our forgiver and leader and, and to be in a relationship with him forever. Uh, so as an evangelist, because that's what I am, uh, unabashedly, someone who wants to see people come to faith as I have and see their lives change as mine has, um, it, it, nothing better than that, nothing better than stories of people who have found Jesus as a result.
0: I love that. I love that. Now, do you plan to have uh, <laughs> future stories be told through film?
1: Yeah, you know, The Case for Miracles uh, has been optioned by uh, Pure Flix, the same people that did The Case for Christ movie, and uh, Brian Bird, who wrote the screenplay for The Case for Christ, is currently writing the screenplay for The Case for Miracles, and we expect that to come out in theaters in September of 2019. So we're excited about that because, you know, the, t- the title of The Case for Christ is kind of in your face. You know, we didn't want to water it down, but still, it's a little hard to invite a true non-believer to come to something that's so overtly Christian.
0: Sure. Miracles
1: are are a little softer. They're a little, you know, people are a little more receptive from a variety of spiritual perspectives. And to see the evidence from Christianity for miracles, I think, can be uh, powerful, and the gospel will be woven into the film. So I, I think it might be an, actually an easier sell to bring a non-Christian friend to that than to bring to The Case for Christ.
0: Well, I love it, and and I'm excited for you on that front. was a huge fan of the other film, uh, Case for Christ. I know this will be great, too. We're going to link out to The Case for Miracles. Thank you for writing it, and uh, thank you for taking the time today.
1: I uh, love chatting with you, Billy. God bless you, sir.